Merry Christmas, everyone, and welcome back to another book podcast for the last episode of the year. We thought it would be a nice idea to end the season how we started and talk to the Legend team all about the books we've been loving this year and what we're looking forward to in 2024. We hope you enjoy this Christmas special. As per usual, a quick disclaimer. Despite any connections to the publishing industry, all opinions on books and biscuits are completely our own here at Another Book Podcast. So let's dive into this week's episode. First up, we have Lisa, Head of Sales at Legend Times. Hey, Lisa. <laughs> hey, how are you, Olivia? I'm good. How are you? Yes, not too bad. Gearing up for Christmas. Feeling all Christmassy. <laughs> <laughs> um, not quite yet. Maybe tomorrow after the Christmas party, I think. Yes. First Christmassy thing. You know, we've got two questions I really want to ask you today. First is what's been your favourite book? Or obviously that's a hard question, but one of your favourite books of 2023. Gosh, it's trying to it's trying to think back at what I've read, both legend and sort of non-legend. Um, so the one that really stuck out for me was um Black Cake. Um so that came so I literally just picked that up literally in in Waterstones. It was one of those buy one, get one half price. And the cover really sort of, you know, yelled at me and was just like, oh, that looks really interesting. That and lessons of chemistry, of course, that's one of yeah everyone's favorite read I think of 2023 um but yeah Black Cake just really when I read it I wasn't I wasn't sure what it was about so it was it's it was quite nice to sort of read a book that you knew nothing about and it was Mm -hmm. very compelling and it's set in the present day and has flashbacks um and it covers so many themes and yeah sort of adoption racism sexism just to name a few you know um and the characters I found were quite well-rounded and I felt very invested in those characters and especially the children who are reading about their mother and finding out about her past and what they didn't know and what she gave up. You know, I felt like I was part of the family and, and sort of yeah. out for the first time and thinking, oh, my God, how could she? And, oh, my God, you know, she went through so much. And, mm-hmm. you know, it was quite sort of emotional. It was like an emotional roller coaster. Um, and I think that's why it stayed with me because the characters were so good. It's one of those books that you sort of you think back every now and then and you just think, I want to reread that because there were so many good points, but at the same time, you've got so many other books to read. Yeah. <laughs> no, no time for rereading. Gotta keep yeah. going. <laughs> and then lessons of chemistry, which is very fast paced. Again, I didn't really know much about it. Um, and it took me actually a while to get used to the main character because she was so sort of straight laced and cold. And but then once you sort of accepted that was who she was, you sort of felt her struggles and her point of view and what she was trying to get across. Um, and then I saw it just whizzed through through the book. So, yeah, that was a, another one that was quite enjoyable. And um, I'm looking forward to watching the TV series. And then, like, looking at our list, um, gosh, we've done so many fabulous titles. I mean, you know, the the standout one for me was Lilith. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, it's come, it came out in hardback in October. And, yeah, it's just, it was 
you probably agree is as soon as you started reading it in our acquisitions meeting, it was just, yes, we need this. I didn't even have to finish mm-hmm. the book. It was just kind of like, right, that's it. It's, it's, it's ticked all the boxes. Yeah. It got me at hello, basically. It was a, it yeah. was a Mary Maguire sort of moment. A <laughs> <laughs> um, meet cute with the manuscript. <laughs> exactly. And I just thought, no, we need this book. Um, so yeah, Lilith was fantastic. Seven Skins of Esther Wilding was so beautiful beautifully written oh my gosh it's a big book I mean it was like over 500 pages yeah it's it's fat (laughs) yeah yeah and then but you know what it was again it's like black cake where you're sort of invested in the characters and you just want to find out more and you just kind of like Mm -hmm. and then the whole folklore and mysteries of the seas and you know all of that sort of stories that was all interwoven into the novel was very hypnotic um yeah and yeah like you said it was a beautiful book and it's one that I kind of was sad that it ended, even though it was huge. You kind of just thought, oh, okay, you know, it's gone now. <laughs> I don't think I've ever read something where you go so deep into a character. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you know, where you just, you're almost like you're at the soul and the core of that character. You you know that person literally inside and out by the time you get to the end of the book. Like it, yeah. you know, even though there is actually like, a plot going on there's things going on there's like a a path that they're following like throughout the book like any other book but it didn't even feel like it it felt so character driven while there was also this plot going on in the background and Holly Ringland just has a way of of writing characters that makes you feel like if you walk past them in the street you'd be like oh my gosh I know who you are (laughs) exactly you know, and those are the two I would say that really stood out. But we, ha- you know, we published so many great ones. You know, like mm. there was Evergreens, which I think is very, uh, you know, underrated. You know, and that was it's very much like a black mirror sort of what would happen in the future. You know, if you if you had the option to to live forever and stay young, would you take it? Would you sacrifice the love of your life in order to? So to- heartbreaking. Yeah, you know, and it's such an compelling question um that I found reading it was so interesting um and you know and then also non-fiction we, we published seaweed revolution mm-hmm. so we can't forget our non-fiction list you know and that's just done amazingly well and Vincent's been you know around the world everywhere he was at Dubai recently at you know promoting the revolution of seaweed and how it can sort of change our environment and our way of living um and so, I've never seen someone so passionate about seaweed in my life. <laughs> oh my gosh, you know, he's just he's quite a character himself. So I think, you know, half of the half of the, you know, the interest is actually from his passion. Yeah, definitely. And that definitely comes through in the book and, you know, he's done amazingly well. He's done loads of interviews with CNN, BBC. So, you know, let the revolution of seaweed keep going. Yeah. <laughs> But then I, I feel like we've been we've been in the mindset of 2024 for a, for a long time now because it's just publishing is just so fast moving and you end up thinking like at least six months, if not a year ahead. Oh, so yeah. we've been working on 2024 titles for quite a while. And is, is there any like next year that you're just really looking forward to finally being out there with because they've been sitting with us for so long? Gosh, you know, not to blow our own trumpet here, Olivia, but we've <laughs> got some exciting titles coming up in 2024. And it's, you know, I've been 
promoting them, obviously, um, mm. presenting them to all of our reps and distributors and retailers. Um, and, you know, the ones for me that really stood out just because they were quite emotional um, was A Trace of Sun. Oh. Uh, and that book, it's a, it's a bit of a different direction for us. You know, it's touching upon the sort of wind rush um, generation. It's talking about the dynamics of a family that's been separated. Um, and you're, you're like you said in, in, you know, the other titles that we mentioned previously, you're really brought into the emotional and the the trauma that happens within a person, both mentally and physically. Um, and I won't reveal too much, but um, yes, this book literally stayed with me for a long, long time. And mm. it's, it's a sad book, but also it's a very important message. Um, and, you know, Pam, the author, you know, writes it amazingly well. Mm. Um, and yeah, it's it's just so harrowing, some of the stuff that goes on in this book. So definitely one for everyone to read is A Trace of yeah. Um, and gosh, what else can I say? So, why is the house in? Oh my god, yeah, our has to be next year. One of our hardbacks, um, and that's all about you know being brought into a cult. But it's one of those, you know, when you're reading it, and the people, the, the three women that are in the books, you know, they're in the point of their lives where you know they've lost direction, um, and this man has kind of given them something, and they mm-hmm. feel like they've got you know a purpose. So that is how he kind of brings forth the the sort of community that they end up being in. Um, And then also ultimately the downfall of this community and that these wives that he has, he has three, um, ultimately are the ones that bring it down. Um, So, yes, again, it's so compelling. It's kind of like Lilith. It's one of those things where you read it, you don't know what's going to happen. There's a climax, there's tension, there's suspense, there's kind of drama, and there's this built of dread coming on, and you're just thinking, what is going to happen? Um, And, yeah, again, it's it's, everyone has to read this book. I mean, yeah. There's no but. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it anyway, is. Those, those two are the main ones. But I mean, there's yeah. women, which is the World War II one, which was, mm. again, it's, again, it has all of these um, ingredients that we, I guess we love. That's why we. Yeah. It's, it's us all over. Yeah. I, I think, yeah. And a lot of strong female characters in 2024. Um, mm. So when I presented it at Frankfurt Book Fair, um, it was noticeable that everyone was like, wow, you've got really strong feminist, you know, strong female-led characters and, and story bases. And I think that's what we all kind of enjoy. And I think that works yeah. for us. So, um, yeah, so Night Climbing's coming out. Stone Witch is coming out. That's like very much like the Lost Apothecary. So if mm. you love that, that's one to watch out for. It's, it's got healing. It's got gems. It's got magic. It's got suspense. It's got female struggle. Oh gosh! Oh, and nonfiction. We've got a little, you know, we've got a brief guide to aliens coming out. Yes. I mean, it sounds fun, but actually, it's quite serious. But it's so mm-hmm. interesting to read. Um, and you know, the guy has worked in so many areas, and he—he's he, so impressive. I know his background, and he wasn't he a consultant for like the Marvel films? Yes, and he got the director of Doctor Strange to endorse the book. Yes. Which is just mental. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, that's another one that's very exciting to sort of see. And um, I think we're all battling with the cover at the moment. I think we've all got very different. Yes. 
Um, as always I have one cover that I'm sticking with and will not budge <laughs> and I'm stuck in the middle of two covers um so you know hats off to all the good other. options though we can't go wrong <laughs> absolutely so I mean yeah that's just a snippet of you know what I'm excited about for next year and there's so many I mean I've only mm. literally you know picked a few that's you know really really sort of stood out but there are so many um and you know it's so funny I posted um something about Rosalind the other day and so many people commented saying um this is so lessons lessons in chemistry vibes like I oh, can't wait for another lessons in chemistry and I was like that is definitely the kind of obviously based on a on a true story and like very much grounded in Rosalind's life but it is it's definitely of that vibe I think if you like lessons in chemistry then you'll automatically like Rosalind so it's and great to see people that. loving lessons yeah. in chemistry <laughs> and we do have a lot of books in our list of 2024 that are based on true stories like you said Rosalind yes the sun is based on a true story night climbing is based on a true story you know we've got the um, idol woman and that's coming out mm-hmm. At, um, sort of towards the end of summer and that's you know based on a true story um so yeah so many true stories yeah but I I love that I I was saying this to someone the other day I just think like it really grounds the book or gives it that kind of extra layer to know that that this is either based or like this actually did happen and this is someone's either like in detailed research of what actually happened or a personal life experience. It just really, I don't know, just gives it that extra something as you're reading it. Yeah, it sort of cements the story and makes you really root for the person, you know? Yeah that's going through it um and then you know you step in their shoes and you just think gosh this is a lot for a person to deal with and it kind of Mm -hmm. almost in a way makes you appreciate your life I think um yes definitely yeah and you know the struggles like Rosalind you know who had to struggle as a career in science to try and make her footing and her voice heard and you Mm -hmm. know the fights that she had to go through and you know nowadays you take it for granted that women can go into these industries yes it's you know it's obviously still difficult Mm -hmm. because you need to get the qualifications but you know those doors are potentially open for you if you want to go into those fields and same with you know the idle woman and that's based on the first divorce in England um so you just think, gosh, if these women didn't really fight for what they believed in, God knows where we would be. We, yeah, yeah, exactly. Where would we be? Sit? We, we wouldn't have a list full of strong women for 2024, I don't think. <laughs> but also um, with the sort of true stories, so many of them, you know, when you say based on a true story, it's sometimes it's based on something, you know. Whereas all of these true stories, I'd, I've never heard anything like it. I, I haven't heard of the things, you know, like obviously you've had the Wimrush generation, but, you know, what Pam's story, I've never heard anything like that before. Mm-hmm. And uh, the Black Forest tragedy that the night climbing is based on, I, I hadn't heard of that until I, I read the book. So it's, you know, it's it's that enjoyment of fiction with that element of truth in it that I'd never heard with this, all this stuff that I'm learning about that I didn't know about history and an idol woman, Rosalind, I didn't know about any of it. So it's, it's so amazing to sort of find out so much about human history and past and experience mm-hmm. through fiction, because I, I, I read so much more fiction than I do nonfiction, yeah. which means that I, I am normally in a bit of a fantasy world <laughs> than the real world. So it's nice to like combine the two. Yes. 
Lots of great questions coming. Yes, gosh, could talk about it forever. But thank you for chatting. No problem. I'll see you in the office soon. Next up is Christian, our fiction editor for Hero. Welcome back to the podcast. You haven't been on since the first episode, so I guess that was uh, sort of what you were reading then, and this is uh, uh, what you're reading now. So what, what have you enjoyed this year? So yeah, it's been a, it's been a journey. Um, one of the books that I've actually also that I read quite recently, um, it's a novel called This Plague of Souls by Mike McCormack. Um, he's an Irish author. And I'd really loved his previous book, which was called Solar Bones. And yeah, this one is, um, it's got kind of a similar vibe to it. So it's uh, all about this, this man who is only known by the name of Neilan, who goes back, you, you, you don't really know the context, but he's going back to a house, which is his family house in, in rural Ireland, but his his uh his wife and 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 children aren't there and he's um it's, it's one of those books it's kind of like a thriller but it's kind of a literary book as well i mean it's mostly a literary book and it's kind of you're kind of figuring out as you go along what, what happened and then there's this mysterious man that keeps calling him up and wanting a meeting with him and then you sort of slowly get pieced together what has happened and so he's been uh Basically, he's just he's come back from jail, and yeah, and then you, um, yeah, then it all gets a bit strange and metaphysical. But yeah, I don't want to give too many spoilers. So yeah, I think that was definitely. Um, I think it's recency bias because I read it recently. But yeah, I would mm-hmm. I would recommend that as a as a as a as a really interesting novel, and it's quite short and and sweet. So yeah, this uh, uh, the yeah, this plague of souls by Mike McCormack. I think it's published. Yeah, it's published by Canongate. Okay, yeah. I love an Irish writer as well. They just have a yeah great definitely. way of saying things. Yeah, I know it's funny, and then there's he's got because yeah, it's in rural Ireland, and he's got these little rivalries with with the with the neighbor, and it's all yeah, it's kind of obviously it's quite different, but it's kind of reminds reminds me of the banshees of um what's called in a sharon so like yeah it's just kind of, yeah a kind of rural ireland vibe maybe it's just yes. projecting it but it, I, it, <laughs> I definitely definitely thought it was yeah definitely thought it was a really, really good book it's the kind of life i imagine killian murphy now leads because he hated london so he moved to like the rural countryside in ireland and that's that's entirely the life i envision him to have <laughs> really oh I, I yeah i i kind of thought he'd be like a uh Hollywood love you now, but I guess he's probably when he's not filming, he's probably um enjoying the seclusion of rural Ireland. Yeah, I think that would be a probably a challenge for me to to live like that. But um I know after living in London, I think that might be too extreme. <laughs> but but I like to yeah, to read that in in a within a book and imagine yourself in it, that's that's all I need really. Yes, that that that's enough imagining of being mm. there more than being there that yourself. Exactly. And is there anything you're really looking forward to coming out next year? Well, so I think um well for 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 coming out next year I'll shamelessly plug a hero mm-hmm. book that I'm working on. Um so it's called D is for Death and it's by Sophie Duffy who's published a few novels with Legend Times uh, with, yeah, with Legend Press and so our fiction hero imprint which I'm editing for uh is publishing this book which is 
so yeah I, I, you asked me for uh, for the genre of it the other day and I said oh I can't limit it to one genre so it's uh, it's it's kind of like a compendium of um thoughts about death and it's uh, it's uh, organized alphabetically so for example um b is for bodies d is for disposal and it kind of weaves through um her own memoir her own life stories and her own thoughts about death and and then lots of interesting historical trivia about death and um yeah little little vignettes about death and and it's all meant to be a death positive look at death so um yeah it's meant to help cope with thinking of death or, or coping with grief and yeah it's really good my only problem is that um she's written a lot and i'm trying to edit it down and it's all <laughs> and it's all good so i don't know what to edit out but that's 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 a it's a good problem to have because um mm. you know the the worst thing is if you have a book and it's uh, there's nothing good in it so <laughs> yeah, there's too much trying to pad it out with fluff <laughs> Yeah, exactly. So yeah, this is I'm trying to cut 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 bits out. Um, but yeah, D's for Death by Sophie Duffy um will be published quite soon, I think, in April. Yeah, April, yeah. 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 Anyway, better get on with cutting more stuff out <laughs> and uh, getting ready. But yeah, she's a great author. Um, should be a, a good publication. Yeah, I'm to be fair, I'm really looking forward to that one as well. Now that I've read you know some snippets of it because we we took it on with it being more of a concept that there wasn't yeah. like a manuscript so kind of put our trust in her and it was definitely worth it because the the tidbits that we've seen of it have just been fantastic and it's kind of a way of looking at death that i i've never never thought of before and and there are quite a few Mm. like books on death and on like dealing with grief out there and this is so different to that yeah. in a way because um, yeah she yeah no definitely and she's not trying to write it in a self-help mode it's just mm -hmm. yeah here are interesting things which can help you look at all these different aspects so yeah and then there's a whole bit about that and there's an interesting bit about um infection and and then it talks about all these plagues and um uh and other uh diseases that have happened and and then and then it juxtaposes some of it with the pandemic and COVID, and it, it was like and it's remarkable how similar it is so wow. yeah it was so yeah this it's it's just got a lot of it's very sort of kaleidoscopic there's little there's yeah you can approach it the book from many angles and get different things out of it depending on what you want so yeah, that's why I can't cut anything out because it's also interesting. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And and you know, you said about the pandemic, and I think yeah. having spoken to everyone in the office, you know, mm. everyone's saying that as you get you get older, sort of, you know, whether you're in perfect health or yeah. not, you do start to like face your own uh, mortality, and and then you have kids, and you start thinking about their mortality and everything. And but I think even you know, in my twenties, I think the pandemic just kind of brought in a, a view of death or like a fear of death that I didn't yeah. have before or wouldn't have ever had unless something like that happened, which is why I think this book is just, it, like you said, it's really hard to confine to a genre and mm. it would be impossible to confine to one audience because it is so applicable to just everyone. So, everyone yeah. with a life, <laughs> it's, it's, it applies to them. 
So it'll either be massively successful or, <laughs> or, 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 or no one will like it. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> or people will reject death positivity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but um, yeah, I think uh, I want, because I'm still in the weeds of it, I'm, I can't be objective about it, but I do think it's a really good book. And uh, Lisa was speaking earlier about uh, aliens as well and how excited we are to be publishing aliens early in the new year. Yeah, a brief guide to aliens. Um, yeah, I know. I keep calling it aliens like that's its title, just yeah, aliens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and yes, yeah, a no, brief that... guide to aliens. So yeah, that's also good, and uh, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting nonfiction, um, or, uh, you know, spring, early spring for for us. So hopefully, um, yeah, hopefully the readers will agree. Yes, definitely. We'll let we'll let you know as soon as you can order Deers for Death. Excellent. Well, um, yeah, uh, on that note, I uh, hope everyone has a good end of the year and a Merry Christmas. Up next is Sam, data manager for Legend Times. Okay, well, welcome back to the podcast, Sam. I know you've been referring to your spreadsheet for the uh-huh. in, in preparation for the questions ahead. <laughs> Super difficult ones. Yes. So uh, the first one being, what was your favourite book of, of 2023? Well, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I've got um, a list of books I have, I have enjoyed this year. Mm-hmm. But it's been a terrible reading year. I haven't read as many as I normally do. But I have read a book called The Instant by Amy Liptrop, um, which is the, I think it's the second book, I think, The Outrun was her debut, but I loved The Outrun, um, which is about a woman living in Orkney and then moving to London and describing basically like the difference in the isolation of Orkney Islands versus the just overwhelming noise of London and how those two things contrast with each other. And Amy Lipton was just an incredible, like she, it feels like she's a nature writer but she's chosen to write about humans. So like the way she just talks about people and the observation she makes about how we interact with the world around us. I think obviously because growing up in Orkney Island, she must have a deeper connection to nature than a lot of us over here in the big smoke have. <laughs> so, um, As someone who doesn't live in London, you, <laughs> no, you state that. <laughs> yeah, anyway, then, um, but yeah, I love her writing and the instant was almost like a, continuation of the outrun where it's her traveling around um she's going through a tough time so she moves to berlin um not knowing the language not knowing anyone who lives there and it's just yeah the way she writes about humans and the way she writes about the world and just describes connections between nature and humanity and like birds in the skies versus the way we move on the streets and stuff and like the difference in movement and those sort of things it's just she's just fantastic so I really enjoyed that um and read a lot of plays this year as well because I'm super into that and um my favorite play that I read this year was A Very Expensive Poison by Lucy Preble which is about, that's a cool name oh, everything she does is cool it's about the (laughs) we love her and uh, she's uh, one of the head writers for Succession so obviously you know Uh, you know what you're getting with her she's just big points unbelievably talented 
Um, so yeah, that play is about the poisoning of Litvinenko and the way she writes it is she loves to uh, play with the form, play with the audience, make sure that you're never you know, 100% comfortable and you're, you're not going to see something that you could see anywhere else. She wants to sort of utilise the form of live theatre. So she'll have things like Putin will be a character in the play and he will pop up in the box seats of the theatre that you're watching it in and just start yelling over the actors on stage um, to try and stop this story from getting out because obviously he he's claiming like everything's fine like no one was poisoned like nothing untoward happened blah 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 and that's super succession-y <laughs> <laughs> yeah for sure and so she will do that um and she'll do stuff like just the way that like she'll play with like the structure of what people expect from something like a live theatre performance so she will make it so that at the end of the first act Putin will deliver this massive speech and he will basically tell the ending of the story. He'll be like, nothing happened. No one was poisoned. He lived a long, healthy life. Um, everything's fine. He had him and his wife had a lovely cat. And then like the sound of a dog barking in the background will just appear. Um, yeah. to sort of show that he's lying about everything. And it ends, the first act ends with him telling the audience not to come back for, like, after the interval. He's like, that's the end of the story. So you can just leave and go outside. Don't come back. And obviously that makes the audience desperate for that. To, for the interval to end for the part two to begin because you know that everything he's just said is a complete lie and you can find out the truth of what happened in the second act so right. I read a lot of plays this year and that was without a doubt the best one and I really wanted to see it when it was touring uh, I think with the old Vic but I think it was touring just before lockdown and I don't know whether it finished its run before lockdown or whether it had to be cut short because lockdown happened but um, obviously that's now stopped, like the run stopped then um, and I'm waiting for them to reproduce it the way they've reproduced her other play, The Effect, recently that had just come back, which is one of her earlier plays. Um, ah, okay. I knew yeah. I'd heard you speak about her before, but that makes sense. It'll be for that one. Yeah. So they're really like, I think, I don't know whether it's to do with succession or just how timely the story is, but yeah, The Effect has been redone um, recently and I went to see that and that was one of the best things I saw on stage this year. So yeah, everything she does is fantastic. Um, big fan, big fan. Big fan. Um, and back in terms in, of books, it's lucky that recently I've started picking up some really good stuff because for the majority of this year, I haven't really enjoyed a lot of the stuff that I've been reading. But I just finished like last week a book called The Friend. And it is about, it begins with a woman, I think it's like it's written in the first person, but there's all lots of references to you. Then, so that she's talking to someone, and you figure out after the first chapter that she is talking to her one of her best friends who has recently committed suicide, and they are trying to come to terms with it and like thinking about like you know why did you do it? Like, were there signs that we missed? Blah blah blah, and what happens at the end of the first chapter is he her best friend has had like three wives and it's always been implied that everyone all of his wives they've felt that the main the narrator of this book and him had a thing or like they had mm -hmm. such a deep connection but it was always like a platonic friendship but um they they're like those sort of people where she's like are they together are they not together like they know each other better than even their own partners do like so yeah. it's kind of like a weird vibe 
And at the end of the first chapter, one of the wives says, you need to take in um, his dog. He has like this massive, massive dog. I can't remember what breed it is, but um, the wife says, all this dog does is sit in the hallway and stare at the front door waiting for the owner to come home. Um, and obviously the owner is not going to come home. Um, and wife says, I can't see it. Like it's killing me. I can't watch this anymore. So ask the narrator to take it on board, even though the narrator lives in a tiny flat where the landlord doesn't allow pets. But she is so heartbroken by the story. She agrees. And it's just about the connection between the narrator and the dog and how the narrator is kind of putting on like a brave face saying that she's okay with it. She's trying to sort, I don't know, you get the impression that she is trying to understand the loss of her best friend on like an intellectual level. Like she's quite, like the narrator is very educated and there's always, there's those references to like books that she's reading about suicide and like academics or theories of it and stuff like that. So she's a very like intellectual person. And you get the impression that she's not really addressing it on an emotional level. Mm. It's all about how that relationship with the dog brings out the emotional aspect of this loss that she's going through. And yeah, it's so make me cry. <laughs> it's so so good. I uh, I didn't know what to expect, um, but yeah, I absolutely love that book. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> the first... I don't know if I could read it though. I know. After the first chapter, I was like, oh, this is a lot. This is going to be. I'm not going to make it. Too much. I know. And you're a dog only yourself. Like, you understand their impact. Yeah. It's heartbreaking, but it's just so. Like, the writing is just beautiful. Yeah. I loved it. Mm. Um, And the other book that I literally started a couple of days ago um, that I just can't stop thinking about, and I want to read it every time I'm not reading it is a book called A Thread of Violence by Mark O'Connell. And I've read one of his earlier books. Um, I think it's called Notes from an Apocalypse. And in that book, he sort of goes around the world and interviews people, gets to know them, because they are living in like a living with the knowledge that they like the world is going to end sort of thing and it's all the different ways in which that manifests itself so there'll be people in america who run like a they bought land and they've literally dug hundreds and hundreds of like pods underground for when a nuclear apocalypse happens and they're sort of like prepping and they sell these to rich people who just I think, I I guess they like the comfort of knowing they've got that as a backup option should anything happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And they then travel to like the Scottish Highlands where people live with the knowledge that like nature is sort of disappearing and they're sort of trying to maintain a connection to it, even though they know it's temporary. Um, I'm trying to think of where else he travels to, but um, I love Mark O'Connell's writing. He has this ability to sort of zoom in on like a tiny detail and then broaden it out to like the wider world. So the opening chapter, the reason I bought it is because I saw a snippet of the opening chapter and he describes the impetus for this book was that he was sitting at his computer with his daughter on his lap and they were watching like a cartoon of a, which is like where the main character is like a cartoon bear. And then I think they're, I don't know whether there's like an advert 
on the YouTube video of like a WWF sort of appeal for like polar bears who are sort of slowly disappearing. And from that detail, he sort of thinks about how strange it is that in his in his lifetime, when he was a kid, bears were something to be feared and like something to be worried about. And there were these aggressive, like so ever present, like animals, like you could sort of imagine yourself, like even sort of thinking about a bear without the emotion of fear. And he said, now my daughter's awake, uh, a daughter's alive and she's coming into the world and she will only ever know bears as something to be pitied and something that needs a handout because they are sort of, we've completely sort of transformed the relationship we have to them. Um, and now they're just like, they're either cute and fuzzy in the cartoon or they're like emaciated on like an ice sheet and they are, they need our help to survive now. Um, so from that, he sort of like borns out. It's like, how is mad? <laughs> and I like, I just love how he drew a connection between those things and like how he can sort of, yeah, pick up on those details of the way that we live and then zoom in on them and then also broaden them out to the history and like the timeline of our lives and stuff. Mm. So he's, and his writing is just gorgeous. So He's he's got a new book out this year, which is called A Thread of Violence. And I've only just started it, but from what I can gather, it's about um a famous killing in Ireland, like a murderer who killed two people seemingly out of nowhere, and then went to prison. And again, he sort of starts the book by him, him and his son like walking along the beach, and he is giving his son like a tour of where his grandparents used to live, and he remembers from a, being a childhood from being a child that he was at his grandparents and then he heard on the news that like the police were literally raiding the house next door and it was where the serial killer lived. Um, and he sort of like that sort of triggers like a thought spiral of like, what happened, what's happening now? Like to that person, because it was a long time ago and he realizes that the person is now out of prison because they've served like 30 years of what they, for what they did. And Apparently, like in the chapter that I just read, like the murderer just continues to exist and go to the shops. And there's always like salacious headlines about it whenever he's pictured like with shopping bags or whatever. And he turns up at like literary readings um, in like wherever they are in in, uh, Ireland. And it's just about that weird feeling of like people as soon as people know he's in the room he just becomes sort of like the thing that everyone's sort of glancing at and then glancing away from and yeah again it's just an example of incredible writing and very interested to see like how he sort of is exploring this theme of violence and reintegration into society I guess but he is fantastic. And, some, and someone sitting there knowing that they're in the same room as a killer, like mm-hmm. knowing it and knowing who it is. Yeah. I mean, you can't even imagine that situation. And the thing is, in your life, you you possibly have been in a room with a killer, like yeah. on the tube or on public transport or whatever. You know, you've been in a million rooms with a million people, a million concerts or whatever, and you probably have. But to know who it is... Mm-hmm. And know that you're in the same room as them is completely different. Yeah. And it kind of sort of really tests people's levels of acceptance, I guess, because the entire yeah. point of prison is to rehabilitate people in, back into society. But 
do you want to be living in that society? Like, do you want to be the person that has to actually bump into them? Yeah. So, yeah. In the very beginning of it, he sort of gives an overview of why he's interested in this subject and what happened as a consequence of his investigation. And he sort of talks about how he knows his the beginning of his investigation. He was just desperately interested in trying to figure out the truth of this person. Like, why did they commit these murders? And mm-hmm. who were, are they at their core? And he sort of gives us like a slight hint that you're going to have to figure out that that's almost an impossibility of like truly figuring someone out because no matter what they give you, it could always have a degree of performance in it. So like even, I don't know if he, in, I think he interviews the guy at some point. I'm, I haven't got to that part yet, but but like if you sat opposite them and interviewed them, there's no way you can trust anything that they give you like because yeah. they're just going to be performing a version of who should I be as this person who is now being reintegrated into society. Yeah. Yeah, he and that's that's a theme that I'm always fascinated in, and the difference between performance and reality, and the mini miniature performances that everybody gives on like a day to day existence. So slightly sociopathic. Yeah, yeah. So I can't wait to read that. I'm literally going to read it as soon as I finish work because I can't stop thinking about it, and the way he writes is just fantastic. Wow, so, are they quite short books? Yeah, Fred of Violence is very short, um, and the Friend was a short one as well, actually. Yeah, so I think. That, those are getting me out of a reading slump at the moment because I'm just breezing through them. And obviously yeah. it looks that they are one some of the better pieces of writing that I've read for a long time. So I'm just really re-energised and excited about books again, which nice. takes a while to get to after you've been in a reading slump and you need that one book to click and then you're yeah. again. Um, and other than that, the only thing I'll mention is Our Strangers by Lydia Davis. Um, who we saw having, we saw Olivia Coleman read out one of her letters. Uh, at yes, that. we did. Um, and she, I had not come across her before. Um, so it's going to be similar to the last episode where you featured me actually, when I only figured out who Annie Yerno was before and then read one of her books and then became obsessed and bought everything she'd ever done. I'm now doing the same thing with Lydia Davis. Um, I see. But our Strangers is kind of like a collection of miniature fiction of like some of the chapters will be like two sentences long. Some of them will be like 10 pages, um, but she's so good at like flash fiction and just really, they're just like stories about nothing, but like the tiny details that you mm-hmm. um, notice. Um, and so, yeah, I really, really enjoyed her writing. And this is sort of like kind of has like an auto fiction vibe to it where you don't know how autobiographical a lot of the stories are. Like it's just could be something that she just she noticed while she was waiting right. for a plane at an airport. She noticed like a nice exchange between two people at an airport or something. Then she writes like a little story or like a little observation about it. Um, but yeah, she's fantastic as well. So those three are the big ones, I'd say. The three, I guess it's more like three authors that you've loved yes. more so than than just the books. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. Well, that sounds like a painful year for you. <laughs> <laughs> but fantastic in the end when you yeah. found the ones you like. Turns out books are great in the yeah. end. Okay, so now that we've heard all of your favourite reads of mm-hmm. 2023, what are you looking forward to in 2024? Well, everything Lydia Davis has ever written. Of course. <laughs> it's going to be the majority of my 2024. 
Um, but I've also got a few books on my bedside table that I want to get started on after the current books I'm reading, um, one of which is Penance by Eliza Clark. Who oh, did, yes. Who did Boy, Boy Parts. Parts. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and I only picked it up to be honest because I read an extract again of the first chapter and she's got like a, a transcription of a podcast that she sort of invented. So it's like a fake transcription of a podcast of these guys talking about a girl that was murdered and sort of just being incredibly like flippant about the the case and the way it was transcribed. What's that? Very realistic. Exactly. So they're like making all of these jokes about it and treating it like content sort of basically. And Mm. just the way it was transcribed, it was just like incredible. Like it felt really felt like I'd I'd heard that podcast. Like it felt like a very um and I don't really know what the rest of the book is about to be honest but it does seem to be like we're in this second stage of the true crime phenomenon where we're now sort of getting a bit introspective about it and looking inwards and be like why are we so obsessed with this and why are we treating these real cases of real people as if it's just content um so I'm interested to see how she explores that theme um so I can't wait to read that and in terms of non-fiction, I have had this on my bedside table for ages, but it's called um, This Is How They Tell Me The World Ends. And it's similar to the Mark O'Connell Apocalypse book. And it's about a journalist sort of traveling around the world and exploring all the different ways in which the world could end, basically, but more specifically through the lens of cyber warfare um, and the ways in which okay. other countries can use that as a tool. Um, so yeah, Sounds I really love- very uplifting. <laughs> yeah, so I'm gonna have a really cheery 2024 as always. Christmas um, ends, New Year's gone, and you're like, right, how does the world end? <laughs> <laughs> Can't wait to start this new year and figure out how it's gonna end. Um, but yeah, I really love the title for that book. Um, mm. I can't wait to see how it is all gonna go. <laughs> go to shit yeah yeah so that you can come into the office and be like right guys this is what's <laughs> this gonna is happen get ready <laughs> good luck with that and i've also got loads of like climate related books like um one really big one this year was uh, when the dust settles um so i've picked up a load of those books and i'm basically just adding them to the section of my bookshelf that i like to call the planet's fucked me so we'll see if they are good additions to that section of my bookshelf. That must be a really big section of your bookshelf. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's expanding, I think. It's, it's three entire shelves. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for sharing your 2023 faves and your 2024 hopefuls. No problem. Up next is Lauren, one of our fiction commissioning editors for Legend Press. This year... And it is because of Lilith that I've dived into the kind of that genre, you know, that kind mm-hmm. of the readings. Um, and I love, I love, 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 and our books do it as well in mm-hmm. very in lots of different ways, different interpretations of female empowerment, you know. Yes. So Lilith for me um, has kind of spurred that on. 
And I went back and read books that have been out for a while, like a few years now that have been popular, They, you know, but they're still like household names, really. And I was yeah. like, okay, now I, I just didn't catch them the first time round. But Lilith sparked something in me to like want to go back and find those books. So mm-hmm. like I read Silence of the Girls, which <gasps> I really loved. Fantastic. Such a good book. Um, I love it. I love how accessible these books are that you may mm-hmm. not know the myth, the legend, the story. You may not know. Um, but that's what good fiction does for me like it educates you while entertaining you you know yeah I was actually saying that about a lot of our list for like um based on a true story for next year you know like a trace of sun night climbing Rosalind an idle woman it's it's all these you know stories that are so compelling and really well written but also have that edge of I've never heard of these stories before I, I wouldn't necessarily pick up a book on a nonfiction book, you know, explaining the story of, of a female, uh, you know, chemist or, you know, necessarily pick up a book on the Black Forest tragedy, which I'd never heard of. But put it in fiction and give me a compelling story that's based around that. And suddenly I'm learning so much about it. And also I'm reading a fantastic book. Exactly. And then you never know, you might read the novel and then dive into the research, you know, and dive yeah. into the, the facts of the story. So I remember years ago reading a lot of Philippa Gregory and I just went through this spell of loving all of that kind of historical fiction. And I I changed schools a lot growing up. I, I moved around a lot. So my knowledge of British like monarchy isn't that good like it's not very strong so then I was reading all of these Philip Gregory books and I felt like I was learning so much about yeah the monarchy and British history and then it kind of yes spurred me on to be like did that really happen like yeah I've into all of these real fig you know real people these figures mm-hmm. these they did exist and I understand that fiction is you know an interpretation of that yeah. But it's rooted in something somewhere. So yeah. it kind of spurred me on. So Lilith certainly spurred me on to want to know more. I loved um Silence of the Girls. Um I also love Cersei. Like it came out years ago, and yet I was like amazing. That. Um and then slightly different, but along the same in the, in a similar vein i read um song uh, song of achilles which mm-hmm. is so good like they're just brilliant brilliant examples of what you expect and what you want yeah always packaged up so beautifully and i just yes. really thanks to lilith like exploring that um, opened a door for you yeah definitely definitely um and and yeah, just kind of, I would say that's where my head has been at this year, predominantly. Mm-hmm. Kind of going back and digging out these books that I just I just hadn't picked up at the time for no reason, yeah. really. Just, you know, I knew of them. I'd seen them 
and uh and so yeah it's been quite fun and a bit different for me to go back and and dive in um and then now because of that so Lilith has been compared to the red tent a lot uh, and it's been recommended to me by quite a few people and I haven't read it I now have it on my bookshelf oh really <laughs> who's who's the author of that one again Anita Diamant Diamant I <laughs> but I have I <laughs> I have heard um yeah I have seen lots of people um compare it I feel like the big ones that Lilith has been compared to is a red tent and um sort of the book of Eve yeah I think ones. yeah I don't think my love affair is going anywhere just yet I think there mm-hmm. are more books now that I'm like as I say you know so many books interpret empowerment in different ways I'm just fully enjoying this way right yeah. now um so I really am excited to read the red tent um, and then as a curveball, I never read, um, Hamnet. Um, and I know that there is a production stage production, you know, they've, they've, there's a play mm-hmm. uh, now and I really want to go and see it, but it finishes in February. Ah. So that's my list. I desperately want to read that. That's Speed read it. <laughs> yeah. Um, tickets are still available so I, I want to read that before going to see it yeah so I'm in a little bit of a historical yeah retelling kind of space at the moment it's a but great space got, yeah it really is I'm really enjoying it I've got a few other books that um I bought this year that I'm so excited to read. So not necessarily that they're coming out next year, although the paperback versions, I think, are coming out. Right. But they're, they're on the 2024 TBR. Yeah, yeah. And it's tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. That mm-hmm. is on my um, bedside table. I love the cover. It's People fantastic, yeah. Really good things about it. And I just, it doesn't sound like anything I'm reading right now. So I'm kind of like excited to dive into that too it is very different yeah yeah um, it's like a whole new genre almost yeah which is exciting you kind of you mm-hmm. want to know what's next you know I think especially given that it's like it, it's a whole new field of fiction and it's done so well you yeah. know you don't you don't have to write something that's in a popular genre or anything like that like you could, if you just write a really good book it will do well mm-hmm. yeah quite comforting to know for any authors out there <laughs> exactly you just got to believe in that yeah and I am immersed in fiction you know I work in fiction I read fiction mm-hmm. the only non-fiction that sadly is on my radar um, I've just finished a book on potty training. <laughs> so fun. <laughs> that was wild. <laughs> Super compelling, really well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Um, so I read I read that. I can't say that that's, you know, hot on my list of recommendations. <laughs> but if you are interested, then yeah. <laughs> um, there's lots of good books out. That 
just finished one on potty training. I'm about to dive back into one on hypnobirthing. <laughs> I think that's where my head is at in terms of nonfiction. Yes. Um, but from our list for next year, especially on the nonfiction side, I'm really excited about D is for Death. Mm-hmm. Because Sophie Duffy, um, I've worked with her on the fiction side. Um, and she's a brilliant writer. Amazing. And um, storyteller. Like she just mm-hmm. paints the most lifelike, like worlds that you just want to dive into and you know those yeah. characters. And I love every single one of her books. Highly, highly recommend. So I'm so excited for her that she is now on this new, you know, excuse the pun, like chapter. Um, yes. <laughs> and I'm so intrigued to read where nonfiction meets fiction. I think yeah. a lot of the fiction that I've been enjoying has kind of done that. You know, it's kind the narrative of nonfiction. Yeah, walked that yeah. line between reality and, you know, mm-hmm. and fiction. And I think because I know her as a fiction writer, I'm so intrigued to see yeah. how she is talking about such a major issue. <laughs> what well, yes. issue topic, I'd say, you know, yeah. a topic that we all in various ways face at some time and it's never mm-hmm. easy. So I'm really interested from a sort of like narrative point of view but also maybe like a bigger picture kind of a psychological view of death as well you know definitely making it more digestible more approachable it's quite a scary topic Mm. that's so daunting yeah and so usually avoided Mm -hmm. exactly let's talk about it yeah but yeah sadly it is a part of life and it, it doesn't have to be as daunting as you maybe think or yeah. thought it was and that's something that you know holly ringland achieves you know in, in um the seven skins of esther wilding like she talks about the power and the strength that you can gather from experiencing grief yeah and appreciation of of a love that you have had and mm-hmm. I know that she also talks about in her non-fiction book that she's she's just released as well so I love that there's just more conversation around topics that everybody sadly yeah does face has faced will face yeah and so I'm so intrigued to see how Sophie handles that um I just love her writing she's just so good She's a fantastic writer. And like you said, the kind of fiction bleeding into the the nonfiction is just around a topic like that, I think is is a, an amazing way to approach it mm-hmm. and and make it super accessible and in a way not incredibly dense and heavy, despite the fact that it's a very serious and heavy topic. Exactly. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to on the on the non-fiction side mm-hmm. for our list for fiction obviously I'm looking forward to every book coming out obviously <laughs> <laughs> like I say in lots of different ways they are all brilliant books and I'm proud and excited already mm-hmm. um, 
And I love, again, going back to that female empowerment, you know, um, you look at something like the Stone Witch of, Flor- of Florence mm-hmm. um, and you just, you know, when you when you look at how we can compare it with, you know, the Lost Apothecary and, and that sort of um, route, that kind of direction for the book, I'm so excited. You know, Anna is lovely. She's been wonderful to talk to already. And I'm just excited for what's to come. Yeah. Experienced the lost apothecary. Um, But then, and as I say, that, you know, explores female empowerment. But then you look at um, an idle woman. Yes. I mean, it's like one of the most sensational divorce trials in history. A woman, lo and behold, you know, God forbid, a woman speaking out against her powerful husband um, to protect her children, you know, to get what she um, deserved and her yeah. her right to that. Um, and as, that's, a, as a human. Exactly. And the way that a woman's word was dismissed, ignored, <laughs> or downright, uh, uh, outright corrected was just like no you're wrong that that yeah. couldn't have happened he he couldn't have done that to you there's something really infuriating enraging <laughs> exactly as a reader not not necessarily automatically as a woman although naturally mm-hmm. that is the case but as mm-hmm. a reader to read about injustice yeah. um, and it wasn't even that long ago like we're not talking you know thousands and thousands of years ago when she was wrong then but you know yeah um an idle woman is a wonderful structure as well the way that she's got diary entries she's got letters you know she's got court documents I think it's a really interesting uh format structure to the Mm. book so it's just that's again you know these books are kind of tied together they all have this thread running through them but it's just the way that each author has interpreted it that is exciting and then you look at something as wonderful and original as conversations with an octopus I'm so excited for conversations with an octopus that book is just so original as Mm -hmm. as idol woman is as you know, Stonewitch is, but in this, you know, small, cozy seaside town where, um, you know, mysterious things are happening. It's kind of got this cozy crime sort of intrigue element to it, Definitely. but there is this simmering female um, rage, <laughs> yeah, which is just brilliant. So subtle, so wonderfully done by Rebecca that you as the reader are then starting to question, hang on, so did this happen? Was this an accident? What what actually happened here? And it's funny and it's, mm-hmm. you coming back to the word original, the title as well, you know, Jane the Octopus is at the centre of all of it. She sees all. Jane the Octopus is an icon. <laughs> I am obsessed with her. <laughs> you more Jane. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm so excited for that book you know, for for so many of the same reasons, you know, like this yeah. kind of empowerment, but in such a a funny, relatable way. Mm-hmm. You know, Idle Woman is 
is shocking and makes me annoyed and angry that you know I'm mm-hmm. proud of her like she's this is a real woman she actually existed and she had to fight um the system and and society to get out to what she rightfully deserved and what was hers anyway for the sake of her children paired with conversations with an octopus where <laughs> I can't spoil it I don't want to spoil it but you know I'll just leave it as Mysterious happenings are going on in this quaint, docile (laughs) seaside town and all is not as it seems. You know, and I love that. I love that that's on our list, you know. Yeah. Um, And I, because Lucy was saying she is so excited for that book as well. And uh, I I mentioned that she is the like five times great niece or something of Jane Austen. Um, But it actually really reminds me of Jane Austen in its way of like almost um, like laughing at those who don't see the undertone uh, in the book and, and making light of it. Uh, you know, just thinking of Emma or Pride and Prejudice in the way that there are these strong women who, you know, have the audacity to have their own thoughts mm-hmm. and, you know, and end up with these, you know, men and, oh, finally they've settled down and, you know, oh, they get, they're tamed at the end because, my God, did they have their own opinions? Yeah. And I, I feel like there is definitely that kind of laughing at that kind of attitude in conversations with an octopus. I, like, it's like, how dare these women have gumption and, you know, and and dare to to run the town and the community that they're in. But it, it, like you said, it's so subtly done that yeah. it is it it it's making light of something while also really pointing it at something it's exactly that's what she's trying to do and it's this um yeah heaven forbid it's just you know a wi yeah yeah they're just doing a fundraiser like what where would these sort of how on earth could you ever begin to imagine something like that would happen Mm -hmm. in this town it's just you know really it's just coincidence yeah is it? And you know, all, all these women are just, you know, salt of the earth women in their, you know, in an upstanding community. <laughs> what, what do you think's going on? Exactly. Let's right some wrongs. Yeah. And that's what, you know, Frances is doing in Idle Women. She is mm-hmm. righting a wrong and she's battling a system. And so, yes, in very different ways. Um, but as a I say, you, you could say that for all of the books. I feel like there is this element of um, learning and and asking questions, and each author has managed to do that. You look at you know the almost truth um, of, of 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 confronting your past and not necessarily thinking or filled with regret at all. Mm-hmm. It's just learning from it and continuing to learn what can we do next how do we move forwards here yeah Um, it's not a case of fight the system fight the men yeah down with the patriarchy (laughs) (laughs) and let's you know arcs back to to Lilith as well it's not every book before anyone is put off all of our books they're not all (laughs) they're not they're not man-hating we promise (laughs) no exactly it's just it's just this wonderful ride of entertainment. That's how I feel mm, like each. Definitely. 
are you know that's what they're providing and that's what I look for when I'm trying to find a book I just want to be Mm -hmm. I want to be entertained I want to be taken out for just a moment yeah challenged and toy with my emotions like yeah yeah like light-hearted way or whether that's in a much more serious kind of you know challenging way like toy Mm -hmm. with me make me question things um I also love reading about these normal women doing extraordinary things because I think it's so easy to you know read about I don't know in, in fantasy or uh or like some I don't know, someone from a, from an extraordinary background or extraordinary life doing extraordinary things. But it's but it's reading about these normal women who have nothing but ambition and drive and you know, just a willingness to to have have their right and have yeah. their say. And, you know, like, especially an idol woman where she was just a woman, she was a person, a mother, and all she wanted was what she was owed by society. Yeah. Which, and, and, and just to be treated like another person. And, you know, she, she didn't come from some crazy, amazing background. She didn't have anyone in her corner. She just did it herself. And and then and that was it. And then when she got what she was owed, she then went on and had like a good life. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not anything more than that. It's just the, these like small victories in a way that are such big victories, really. Yeah, they are, and they should just be given, you know. Mm-hmm. But and it's the same. You know, you mentioned night climbing, and you're like, that's inspired by true events as well. Mm-hmm. That's two women from very different places in life and geographically, you know, who are trying to speak up against injustice. Um, you know, you're right on the cusp of the Second World War, like the talk about simmering tension, like, you know, the flags are going up, the Nazi flags are going up. And it's mm-hmm. it's one woman in that German village town that, is she knows that this is wrong. She she knows yeah. what they are doing is wrong. And the propaganda, she doesn't agree with any of it. And she tries to speak up. Meanwhile, you have little boy's mother, you know, back in London, who's again fighting against this wave of support for mm-hmm. you know, our brave boys and, and all the rest of it. And and she's drowning but she's fighting against this wave and trying to speak up. And it actually happened, you know, this, this event again, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but like, you know, this Mm -hmm. actually happened. And, and I just find that authenticity, that kind of, you know, the true events, the, the real people at the heart of it. Yeah. Mind blowing. I find that. Yeah. And it's, a, a beautiful thing when an author has then sort of expertly woven this beautiful tapestry you know the fiction kind of embellishes and it supports it doesn't overshadow yeah an element and I just think that's such a wonderful accomplishment that I look for mm-hmm. in 
in any you know submission or book I buy off a shelf read personally yeah 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 so yeah I'm excited for next year I feel like there are some books that have have just been a long time coming for me personally yes (laughs) I can't wait to actually just dive in just give me you know some time to just dive into that and then finally catch up with everyone else (laughs) yeah yeah but then also, yeah, not that I'm completely biased, but our own our own titles, I just feel so proud to be to be publishing. Definitely. I think I, it's it's hard to to not talk about every single book coming out because you just have a love for each one out. of them. We haven't even mentioned that one, you know. I know. We had The Conjurer's Apprentice at the end of this year. And we've got, you know, The Wolf Shadow coming out. I mean, talk about um, women who have been overlooked. You know, John mm-hmm. D's Apprentice, who, you know, like, again, these this is all pure entertainment. And yes. Rooted in, for her, you know, research and historical fact. And so, yeah. I'm, a, running, I'm, a running theme of strong women next year. <laughs> yeah. It's not by accident. <laughs> yes, we love to see it. <laughs> Just a good story. That's what we want. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I'm, I'm I'm almost envious of people who haven't haven't read them yet because I know in for a ride. <laughs> I'm desperate to talk about all of them. No, I know you, you have can't to wait. Okay, don't spoil it. Don't spoil yes, it. Yes, I know. It's so <laughs> difficult to be like. But can you believe that this happened? <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly. I hate a spoiler, so I'm desperate. Not I know. To- <laughs> I don't want to be that person. <laughs> I know. <laughs> oh, amazing! Well, thanks so much for sharing your your 2023 favorites and your 2024 to reads. Very welcome. I want to go get reading now. <laughs> yeah, I know. That's the rest of the year sorted. <laughs> Next up is Lucy, Publicity Director for Legend Times. So Lucy, welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for being on today. Hello. Hi, everyone. Merry Christmas. I know. Merry Christmas. It's so close. We're, we're, film, we're recording this literally like less than two weeks away from Christmas. So that's very exciting. It's our Christmas um, party tomorrow. I'm it very is. much looking forward to it. <laughs> oh, so am I. I'm hoping that everyone is going to put in really good effort in terms of festive Festive jumpers. Glitter. I know. I don't know whether to go festive jumper or like sequins because when do you have time? When do you have an opportunity to wear sequins? So it's so true. But I think I think that falls it falls under festive. You know, it's yeah. like glitter sequins. You know, snowmen, Santa, whatever. We'll take it. Reindeer. We'll take any Christmas of it. Hat. Great. <laughs> oh, I've I've got all the Christmas gear packed away and ready ready to go, and my yeah. secret Santa present as well. But I need to I need to wrap it. I need to do that. <laughs> but yeah, so this year, what have you really enjoyed reading? Um, I'm not going to go for a workbook because okay. I, it's so difficult to pick a favorite. Um, yes, definitely. I think I am. Um, going to cheat and go for two I'm going to go for my favorite fiction book of the year has been well all the Harry Potter books because this year we have been reading them with our two sons um me and my husband and we have really really enjoyed uh, reading them back and remembering like all the nuances of the stories 
And um, yeah, after we read them, we watch the films and then we bitch about how much plot they've left out of the films. <laughs> yeah, I think that's everyone's favourite thing. Like, can you believe they did that disservice? <laughs> I know. I feel like my son's uh, six and eight and even they're picking up on like, where's that bit? Or where's this mm-hmm. bit? So, yeah, but um, loving those books. Um, that's such a throwback. I know. <laughs> And my husband's never actually read them before. He's oh, really? Films, so he's like, it's like a new world for him. Yeah, a whole new appreciation for them. But um, yeah, so we've been working our way through those because um, like 10 pages a night, I mean, you realise how long they are as well. Oh, yeah. I think the first one as well is like, you know, just a, I would say a somewhat regular amount. And then they yeah. just get bigger and bigger and bigger until you get to the last one, which is fat <laughs> i managed a hundred pages of i can't remember must be the third book uh on our summer holiday to cornwall and uh, my mouth was dry after that <laughs> <laughs> couldn't possibly read anymore yeah, i know and then my non-fiction book of the year because i'm trying to read more non-fiction um is the secret barrister um basically because I kind of have an interest in the criminal justice system because my mm-hmm. husband used to work, um, it, well, kind of in it. He used to be a forensic toxicologist. So he's always oh. discussed with me about like the criminal justice system and the CPS and kind of frustrations around that. So the book basically is uh, an, an anonymous book written by a barrister that goes into all the problems with the UK criminal justice system. And um, it's really shocking and absolutely fascinating. It's quite like dry and information-led at points, but then at other points you're like, oh my goodness me, because the problem with the criminal justice system is that we don't know much about it if we haven't been Mm. in it ourselves. So I think reform doesn't happen because it's kind of a a hidden thing almost in a way yeah something that the um like the media covers that much um so it was really interesting um very different to what I normally read and yeah I really enjoyed it (laughs) my friend is a barrister and has that book and said it was just so interesting yeah to read I'd I would love to when I have the time I would love to get that a read <laughs> like and, weighty is it oh okay I actually uh, well I say I read it I actually listened to the audiobook which that is oh, also okay. new for me this year um and I it really helped me to get through the weight of the content and have it still mm-hmm. flowing and um I really enjoyed listening to it on my like trips to London or like on the school run and things so yeah a- an accessible way to read something weighty I would say <laughs> will you start listening to more audiobooks do you think yeah definitely I've listened to um Bob Mortimer's uh, autobiography this year that he did on that. That was fantastic just because he has such a voice, doesn't he? And he yes. <laughs> brought so much life to the story and, yeah, really funny. So Yeah, I was going to say automatically very funny. <laughs> I haven't actually listened to much nonfiction on audiobook yet. Um, so maybe 
this for 2024? <laughs> I mean, you know, for your next car trip, uh, Stephen Fry reads the Harry Potters. If you I want know, someone I else know. to take over. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been easier, wouldn't it? Because I've I love his voice because I've I listened to his mythos and heroes yeah because uh, again those are very like they're not necessarily weighty it's just so much information yeah. so many stories and so many gods with that all kind of link in one way or another that I was you know I was having to like read and then reread so actually just walking along and listening to it and being able to like give it the time to understand who everyone was and also his voice is uh, there's something about it I can't help but like listen to it mm. and uh, what are you looking forward to next year um I'm going to go for Legend Times books because Woo-hoo. yeah that's what I most know is coming out in 2024 and yeah. we've been talking about them for so many months yeah like, <laughs> And we're all so excited for them to come out. So um, it's not picking favourites at all. Um, but I'm going to, off the top of my head, I'm going to go non-fiction. I'm going to go for Dears for Death by Sophie Duffy. Um, I absolutely love Sophie. She's been an author with us for over 10 years, I think now. Um, she originally won the Luke Bit Me Bursary and we've published a number of novels from her. But this is something a bit different from her this time. It's got a nonfiction book um, about death. So it's an alphabetical journey um, through the discussion of uh, death and mortality, which I think is absolutely fascinating. I mean, it's mm-hmm. something that, to be honest, I would be a bit scared to read. Yes, in a way. yeah. It's, it's not something I would necessarily pick up, and obviously it's going to happen to everyone, but it's not something we discuss as a society. Mm-hmm. But the book is so approachable. Sophie is such a fantastic writer. She's mm-hmm. lived such an interesting life. But um, I think it's going to be a fantastic book um, from a publicity perspective as well. It has loads of opportunities. And yeah. I also just love Sophie. So I was going to say it really it is her that makes yes. this book special. You know, it, it's it's a very interesting book anyway, but it's her and all of her like nuances and all of her yeah. personal stories and, and you know, the experience that shaped the way that she thinks about death that makes yeah. it so, it's like such an incredible read. Yeah, because she's obviously had COVID. She's a, a breast cancer survivor. She has um, a, a family history of, um suicide um so she obviously has all that behind her as well mm-hmm. as all this research she's done and it's at, it's just it's going to be a fascinating read for people i think yeah i mean even just our conversation with her a few weeks ago just yes. talking about the book i felt like i learned so much just from us having yeah. a really casual chat with her yeah so that's yeah. great and the other one I'm going to pick of fiction is Conversations with an Octopus, just because mm. the concept is just fantastic. fantastic. Um, <laughs> the idea that there's a 
octopus that's listening in to all this town's secrets. Um, so I think such a good idea. No, I'm just I can't wait for that one. I think mm-hmm. it's really going to hook readers in, and yeah, you're going to love it. <laughs> and the cover is one of my favorites as well I think so simple but it's very cool yeah very cool cover yeah which I love and and you know I think like when when the concept was first brought to us as well I almost wasn't expecting Lauren to say that it's crime Mm. you know like an octopus listening in I I thought it was maybe going to be quite like literary yeah um, like a lot of sort of metaphors and and hidden meaning and and stuff like that but to know that she's listening in because there's all these suspicious mm. crimes going on around town i think is so cool and yeah. just adds like a really like unique element yeah. to it it's a brilliantly really commercial book and then rebecca's writing is so strong um yeah i think everyone is going to love it <laughs> she is she's the five five time great niece of Jane Austen isn't she yes she is it must be in the genes mustn't it in the blood yes <laughs> that, that creativity's got to come from somewhere it must be from yeah. must be directly descended from Jane Austen <laughs> oh okay amazing well thanks so much for sharing yeah. all your book faves pleasure and excited about the Christmas party tomorrow <laughs> I'll see you there and finally, we have Tom, Managing Director of Legend Times. And I'll just ask you what your favourite book of 2023 is, if you could pick one. I'm tricky. I should have thought about this before we started talking, <laughs> clearly. But, uh, um, what have I read recently? I actually did like, although because I read like I read probably 90% fiction books. Um, so I, for a bit of a change, I did actually like uh, the Anarchy by William Dyrimple, which was about the East India Company and the history of it. Um, I find f- nonfiction takes me longer to get through. You've kind of got to mm. digest it at 20 pages at a time. But um, yeah, I'd say possibly that stayed in stayed in my mind the most out of books I've read so far this year. Um, oh, interesting. That, Is that the really big one? Yeah, yeah. It took me a little while to read, but... Um, yeah. yeah, quite substantial. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, well, since we launched Hero, I've been making an effort to read a little bit more nonfiction here and there mm-hmm. since uh, I get my head around um, the kind of market. But uh, yeah, no, no, it's good. Enjoyed that. And was it like, was it just a really detailed history or? Yeah, well, I've seen stuff about the East India Company before. Um, as kind of, uh, I read it and it kind of just really, um, it really kind of adjusted your viewpoint as well. Partly because also the kind of version of history you tend to have, and the fact that actually, you know, you always think almost the empire as as powerful and that, but actually we were tiny at the at the start, and actually India was the most affluent and one of the most powerful countries in the world, and you mm. actually realised what an impact we, well, Europeans generally, but particularly we had it in in a in a, in a mostly negative light, just because yeah. of kind of military power, um, and it kind of yeah, it could kind of changes your viewpoint history suddenly seems a lot you know, recent history suddenly seems a lot shorter and you think actually kind of um you know things were kind of very different before so no, it was interesting it's, that's probably why it stayed in my mind it changed the way i think about stuff so um but interesting that a, that a non-fiction read has been your it's been your highlight as well as a, as a fiction mainly fiction reader 
yeah, well, maybe that's why it stayed in my mind and I've read so many fiction <laughs> books I can't think of one. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, uh, it's interesting. It's nice to um, it's nice to break it up, um, you know, even without plugging our uh, our books, like going between our fiction books and then things like um, Woman Up and Lady Sapiens and different things. It's quite an interesting mm-hmm. mix. Yeah. And it, I think like the list is definitely getting like bigger and bigger and more varied as well, I think, for Hero, which is nice. Sort of doing new and exciting things. And, yeah. you know, speaking of next year, what are you what are you most excited for in 2024? In terms of our books? Um... Unless you know of any other books coming out that you're excited about. <laughs> it would be kind of insulting not to pick one of ours. Thinking ahead. Um, <laughs> and it, I mean, it's, it's always hard to pick them out, I think. You know, as as it's the first one out, I think I'm particularly excited by Rosalind and the mm-hmm. fact that the interest we've had in it. And that in itself is, is actually a book that's a bit of a blend between fiction and non-fiction because of yeah. the true story of Rosalind Franklin, which is it, itself is an incredible story in her life. And even though it's a fictionalised version, so it's kind of the best of both worlds. And, um, you know, it kind of fits in with this good trend as well of actually reimagining history. So similar, as I was saying, about... And the anarchy of actually be looking at history and realizing, you know, what a role she played, and it was kind of covered over by history in terms of the Nobel Prize. Now, mm-hmm. kind of um, correcting that. So, so yeah, no, no, I'm excited, excited by that. Um, yeah, uh, Trace of Sun, any because um, we saw uh, Pam recently at launch and chatting about it. So, uh, I'm very excited by um, yeah. What else? Um, so yeah, no, we've got, we've got a, a varied list next year, so it's um, there's quite a few I'm uh, looking forward to. I think chatting to Pam made me realise like only then how much of it was actually based on her life. I I thought it was a uh, thought it was based much more loosely than it actually is. Like it's so much of it did actually happen to her, and it is such a direct experience that she's sort of taking inspiration from. Yeah, I think it's again, it's that kind of fiction and non-fiction thing. They kind of lead into each other. Like, you know, mm-hmm. even obviously Lila, our big book this Christmas, um, the fiction is obviously inspired by kind of myths and, you know, and, and stories and history. And it's, um, you know, and probably the majority, you know, we've had a lot of success with historical fiction and the majority of that is based, is set around the non-fiction period and kind of, you know, a creative been taken from it so I think the two do um do kind of mix in a lot and definitely you know authors it's obviously this a natural authenticity of an author's writing about what they've experienced themselves yeah so, it's, so yeah it's um you know it's always it's always a, a good thing to kind of know where it came from yeah definitely and I think that's the it's the case of with quite a few of our authors for next year that they're they're taking inspiration from their own history or or someone else's very impressive history which is really exciting yeah if only I'd had a more interesting life myself I could have been an author <laughs> not a publisher maybe but uh... could have been on the other side of things uh, yeah. I might need to practice my lighting first but yeah <laughs> <laughs> well who knows maybe we'll be publishing a book in a few years of how to start an independent publishing company by Tom Chalmers yeah, I'm not sure I'm not, I'm not sure I'm ready for that but uh, I'm not sure anyone else is ready for that either but uh, you never know <laughs> okay well brilliant thank you so much so that's all for this year a big thank you to all of the team for joining the podcast and an even bigger thank you to all of you for listening this year we hope you're as excited as we are for 2024 
And from all of us here at Legend Times, Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year, everyone.